So, I know it's not New Year's yet, but we are technically in a new Christian year. Advent starts out the new Christian year on the Christian calendar, and it starts out in a very curious way, right? So we're not, we're not actually in the Christmas season yet. First and foremost, I hate to break it to all of you who have already tuned your radios to the, Christians, uh, to the Christmas stations. It's not Christmas. Um, it's Advent. Christmas comes December 25th and for 12 days after that. We're in the season of Advent, a very unique and odd season that we mistake for Christmas, but it's actually classified by a key understanding. See, the word Advent comes from a Latin word which really means to wait, to be patient, to anticipate, to have an expectant hope. And so it's curious that the new Christian year does start out with, the, with this notion of hope. Every, day, every Sunday in the season of Advent has a theme to it. And the first one just happens to be hope. And so we, as we prep for Advent, we do this, this beautiful decorating. I mean, our, our decorating crew really did a fantastic job around here. It's gorgeous. And we set up this wreath that has these candles in it, and we light one each Sunday, and each one represents something. And it's all culminating to this point in which we are reminded of a picture-perfect moment, right? That scene right there, sitting up on the altar there. This moment that, that can never really be truly captured. This moment in which we witness the Christ child surrounded by his parents. In some nativity scenes, there are other people gathered around um, we can speculate all we like. But this is the image that we get whenever we get into Advent. This moment in which the mundane, the worldly, collides with the divine and with God. This moment in which everything just centers around that image. A star hovering overhead, Three wandering wise people coming up here. Uh, they're barn animals, and, and, and it's all this, this incredible scene with a beautiful backstory, which we're going to get to, but a little bit of, into that. We have this teenage girl, by the way, allegedly. Who knows? Nobody here, I think, was there with these people. If you were, please let us know what it was really like. But allegedly, a teenage girl who's pregnant mysteriously pregnant, that's not a good look for anybody, and, and her soon-to-be husband is thinking this, yeah, it's really not a good look, um, but he gets a vision from an angel, and the angel decides, or the angel tells him, uh, stick this out, it'll be worth it in the end, and he's like, okay, sure. So because he ends up sticking it out, he, along with his future wife and uh, the mysterious child that she is bearing, end up having to travel to Bethlehem, the place where Joseph is from, for a census. Which, by the way, fun fact, Bethlehem is not in Israel, it's in Palestine. And so they tra have to travel outside of where they had been living to this, uh, to this land in order to be registered for the census. And while there, Mary goes into labor, you know, it's, it's all very chaotic, I imagine, and, and they try to find a place to stay, but it's the census. Everybody's traveling. You know, everybody's all, all everywhere. All the hotels are occupied. There's no place left for them except for a stable. 
probably the back of somebody's house, probably not some cute little manger scene off in the middle of nowhere. But anyways, they end up posting up in a stable, a probably very filthy place. And she ends up having this child. I imagine it wasn't a silent night, but that's what we have before us, this moment. And she gives birth, and she wraps this child in swaddling clothes. And then there's that question of what now? Right? We, that's, a, that's about as far as we get in the Christmas story. Because we get to this point, we just want to look at it. Take a picture of it. Put up some statues for it. And remember, remember for just a little bit of time, this moment that happened 2,000 years ago. And now it's time for me to break some hearts. Advent isn't about this picture. It's really sweet. It's really pretty. And I certainly do not want to underplay the moment in which God incarnate broke through the realms in order to dwell with humanity. But it's already happened. And remembering only gets us so far. And Advent as a season is a time of expectant waiting because we have this hope. And we're going to declare it in a few minutes in, in our communion liturgy that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. We have this hope. Christ will come again. It wasn't just a one-off thing. It wasn't just it happened and then we moved on and, it's not, and you know, now we just like to look back on it. Advent is a time for us to remember that it's going to happen again. That Christ isn't finished. And so in this season of Advent, I want us to recognize that, that this isn't just a time for us to remember. It was a, a beautiful scene. It was hugely important. It changed the face of human history forever. But Christ didn't stop there. Advent looks beyond the past to what is to come. And we have this hope that what is to come is Christ. And he's coming in a peculiar way. And so with that ice being broken, I feel like the only direction I can go now is to talk about the movie Miss Congeniality. Anybody remember this movie? <laughs> it, took, it was uh, about 20 years ago this movie came out. It's a, a, quite a quirky movie um, in which... Uh, main character, Gracie, is a police officer, and her, uh, her division gets this report that there's going to be a potential ther terrorist threat at the Miss USA pa beauty pageant. And so she goes undercover to enter into the beauty pageant to try to stop this attack. And in doing so, she has to really go undercover and play the part of a beauty queen. And so she goes through all the motions. She has her own little talent portion where she plays crystal glasses. And it's, you know, and, uh, she has these moments where she gets to dress up in all the different outfits and gowns and everything. And each time there's something awkward going on because she's not really a beauty queen. She hasn't actually rehearsed for this, but still she has to play the part. And eventually it gets to that questionnaire time where the judges get to uh, evaluate the contestant's uh, personality. And in doing so, the... MC Stan is asking each of the ladies this question. 
what is the one most important thing that our society needs? And each contestant, one after another, says, world peace, world peace, world peace, world peace. And eventually it gets to Gracie's turn, and Stan asks, what is the most important thing our society needs? And in a Gracie sort of fashion, she responds, that would be harsher punishment for parole violators, Stan. And there's an awkward silence because that's not what she was supposed to say. The crowd knows it. And then she recognizes it and says, and world peace. And then she gets her applause and we move on. But it's the answer that we all expect from our role models, right? World peace. This notion that if we could have our way, if we could have one wish granted, it would be world peace. And it's the thing we expect from our world leaders. It's the thing we expect from our role models. It's the thing we expect from our celebrities that at some point these people would talk about world peace because it just seems like that's what's supposed to happen. But at the same time, it's also the answer that seems so far away from our reality. I mean, honestly, think about it. Do we truly believe that in our lifetime we will ever see world peace? I'm not saying that we won't, but do we believe that we will? Is that something we can actually conceive of? Because I every time I turn on the news, it seems like there's another instance of chaos and destruction and violence and discord. And it, it, it's, just, it's just so frustrating because we keep talking about world peace, but it never happens. No matter how many policies, there's still going to be somebody who's at war with another. Could we ever actually see world peace? Maybe Gracie, who later ends up getting dubbed Miss Congeniality, could Gracie maybe have a point here in saying what she honestly thinks? Could we ever see world peace? At this moment, enter the Christ child. The one who's called the Prince of Peace. There are many prophecies throughout the Old Testament that allude toward the coming Messiah, the Christ, toward this individual who is supposed to bring peace, this individual who is supposed to be able to allow the lion to, to lay with the lamb, this individual who is supposed to end all heartache and hurt and aggression. And we even get this image in Isaiah, who is one of the main prophets who talk about the coming Messiah. And Isaiah, in his, uh, in his prophetic testament, says, in days to come, hold on to that phrase, in days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And many people shall come and say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his path. And as they come, they find this lesson. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. It's this image of Christ, the Prince of Peace, 
that Isaiah is alluding to. This, this one day, in days to come, well, someday, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established, and all of the people will say, let's go there, for we have a lesson to learn from the Lord, and the Lord's lesson is they shall beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. What an image. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That whatever the people finally get to the house of the Lord, whatever people finally recognize that they're in their pursuit of Christ, what it means to be there with God, that the thing that they learn is to turn their weapons into tools that benefit society. It's this image of the Prince of Peace. But there's one problem with this image. Isaiah says, in days to come. In days to come, someday, sometime, way out there, it's going to happen. Right? Someday, sometime, not tomorrow probably, Definitely not today. Today's almost half over anyway. But in some day to come, it's going to happen. And this is the part where we as people really wrestle with our desire for instant gratification. Because we really want that day to be right now. Or maybe we don't want it to be right now. Maybe we do. I don't know. But we don't want to have to wait for it. That's the real thing. Because if we wait for it, then we can just keep put it, pushing it off. We can keep saying, it's another day. It's another day. It's not tomorrow. It's another day. And as we keep pushing it off and off, and we keep giving into this reality that it is in one day to come, then we stop hoping. And we stop living into that hope. And we just kind of let it be this arbitrary understanding that, Eh, it's probably going to happen, but we don't have to do anything. It's just it's going to be what it is, one day to come. And this is where Matthew's text becomes so important, because Matthew's text promotes vigilance. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 24, speaking to his disciples about the end times, or the last days, or the the coming of God's kingdom or the day of the Lord, whatever you want to call it. Jesus is talking to his disciples and said, about that day, though, that day we're talking about, no one knows when it's going to happen. Okay, so one day out there. Nobody knows when it's going to happen, so whatever. And he starts to say, for as, in the days, for as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And we all remember the days of Noah, right? We were all there. Um, by the way, it was filled with debauchery and all kinds of horrible things people were doing to each other in all kinds of fashions. But that's not what Jesus talks about. As in the days of Noah, he doesn't bring up this notion of, of horrors to come or this, this mindset that we can look out at our world and see all of the problems that are in it and line it up with all the problems that were happening in, the, in uh, Noah's time. No, he says, as in the days of Noah, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and they knew nothing until the flood came. Two were in the field, one will be taken away. Two women were grinding meal together, one was, will be taken away. And it's interesting because Jesus here is describing a very average day. 
a very average day. I don't know how many of you have had breakfast yet, but if you have, you've already participated in one of the things Jesus said, eating and drinking. In that day, there will be eating and drinking. In that day, there will be two people in a field going to work. I don't know how many of you have stuff other than sitting in a pew that you like to do. Two of these people do. Two women grinding meal, preparing dinner, whatever it might be. It's a very average day. The only kind of unique factor is marrying and giving in marriage. Well, you know, that's still just a day. There's nothing particularly out of the ordinary about it for most people. If you're getting married, that's a little out of the ordinary for for you, but not for everybody. And Jesus is describing this perfectly average day and then says this is the kind of day you should be looking out for. Not some day when there's all this violence and killing and whenever people are ruining each other's lives, but just a really ordinary day. And so what's, what needs to be noted is that the things mentioned in Matthew are not bad things. It's not some great buildup to the end of times, but they can be distractions. They're things that happen in everyday life that just take our attention on to the next thing and on to the next thing, and eventually we build up a to-do list and all of these things end up on our to-do list, right? I don't know how many of you, your to-do list has marriage on it, but Maybe. And so Jesus presents this challenge to move from an everyday to-do list to a pay-attention list, things to look out for, because Jesus is more concerned about what is to come rather than what is past. Jesus wants his disciples to be more concerned with what is to come than what is to pass. You know, it's interesting how much of a big deal we make about the nativity scene, this moment of Christ's birth, and yet Christ never once talks about that moment with anybody. Even his mother doesn't bring it up. It was just something that happened. It was just there. But nobody really talks about it. It it was something that happened. It was just an average day. Here, Jesus is more concerned with what is to come rather than what's past. Jesus isn't lingering on this birth scene. Once again, I'm not trying to downplay this, but I'm trying to get us to recognize it's not just a time to remember, it's a time to look ahead because we have this hope. We have this hope that the kingdom of God is coming. But here's the thing. The kingdom of God is not coming with violence as other kingdoms have come. The kingdom of God is not coming with hatred as other kingdoms have come. The kingdom of God is not coming with discrimination as other kingdoms have come. The kingdom of God is not coming for any one nation or people as other kingdoms have come. We have this hope. The kingdom of God is coming with peace. Peace of all things. That's not a normal kingdom. I, don't, I know we don't live in any kind of feudal society or aristocratic hierarchy. But a kingdom coming with peace is not a normal thing. That's the kind of kingdom that slips by us. That's the kind of kingdom that Jesus and Matthew says you need to be vigilant about. You need to be aware of. You need to pay attention to. We're talking about a kingdom that is coming with peace. 
a kingdom that is coming for salvation. So what, what do we do then, right? If, if, there's, if it's some day out there, nobody knows when, it's just some day coming, it's obviously you know, not behind us or, you know, I don't know, some people think it is. It's not happening right now. It's someday to come. So then what do we do about it? What part do we have to play? I like to try to make these things a little practical, right? Because we need something to do after, you know, if, if some weird guy's going to talk for way too long, he better, he better have a point about it. And so what do we do now? Well, let me ask you a question. How would you live your life if you knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow? And I mean that. Actually think about that for a moment. How would you live your life today, the next 12 hours, if you knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow? It's kind of like a live like you were dying sort of situation, right? If you knew that it was going to happen, how would your life be different? Would we still be a people who fight and war and attack one another? Would we still be a people filled with animosity? Or would we be a people who recognize that, wait, maybe life's a little bit bigger than me. Maybe life's a little bit bigger than all of this. Maybe we would show compassion and understanding and for just 12 more hours we would live in peace with one another. That's the kind of vigilance that Jesus is talking about. Whenever, he's, whenever Jesus says, keep awake, he's saying, live like it's going to happen tomorrow. Or even today, if that makes you feel better. Live like it's going to happen. And so my question for us today is, are we ready for peace? Are we ready for peace? We do have to ask ourselves that question because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, you must be ready. You must be ready. And so are we ready to walk in the light of the Lord, as Isaiah says, to be those people who beat our, plow, our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks? The people, are we ready to be a people who turn our weapons and violence into tools that benefit society? Are we ready to be a people to turn animosity into peace? Are we ready? I hope that we can be a people who spark a movement of world peace, not just wait for another person to talk about it, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Another person's going to talk about it. Another beauty pageant contestant's going to bring it up. World peace is going to be something that gets brought up at another moment. But if all we're doing is talking about it and not living for it, then we'll never get there. And so let us actually be a peace, a people who spark a movement of peace. Let us actually be that people. That's the call of the church, to live lives as if Jesus is coming now. To live lives of peace because we have this hope. Peace is to come. The kingdom of peace and hope and joy and love and of Christ is to come. Let us be a people 
who live like it. And let us pray.